0: And welcome to this episode of the Money Mitch Effect. I'm your host, Mitch Michaels. As always, thank you for listening to this sports podcast. A couple good guests today to talk about some different happenings in the sports world. First up, Todd Speed, Bernard Robinson, to talk about the NBA. We're at the All-Star break. The Cavs reshaped their whole roster. The Raptors and Celtics may be threatening out east. We break down them, contenders and pretenders there. The trade deadline saw Blake Griffin go to the Pistons. And the Rockets have the best record in the whole NBA. First time in their history at the All-Star break. Are they the team to beat now, or is it still the Warriors League? All that and more on hoops. Then after that, Tyler Tesson comes on the show, my good buddy from St. Louis, to talk about the NHL, who's threatening there. Is it really an unpredictable league with Vegas at the top of the mountain so far, an expansion team? We talk about some football news, Josh McDaniels staying in New England. Kirk Cousins, Free Agency, and a lot of other NFL storylines. We may even touch on the Olympics as well. It's Todd Speedburner Robinson up first, followed by Tyler Tesson. You're listening to The Money Mitch Effect. All right, it's time to talk professional hoops. We're at the NBA All Star break; more than half the season is gone, and back on the show on the Money Mitch Effect, recurring guest Todd Speed, Robinson. Todd, thanks for rejoining the show.
1: Yeah, good to be back. It's been a little while, but so uh, yeah, let's tackle a few things.
0: Yeah, Todd, it's been uh, it's been very interesting to say the least. We've gotten to this point in the season where everyone tries to reset for you know a couple of days, have some fun, and uh, just kind of see. What the landscape is before the trade? Before uh, I should say before the trade deadline. But before the teams start making their push, we just had the trade deadline, and now we're getting into that nitty gritty part uh, of the season where the games are starting to matter. But on a more solemn note, Todd, this has uh, been a pretty brutal year as far as NBA injuries go. Um, some big names going down, some season altering injuries. Boogie Cousins and Porzingis come to mind. Out. what what stood out about these injuries because if they feel like a downer especially for a team like the pelicans who we thought may have had a chance might have had a chance to do some things boogie in a contract here and uh the achilles injury
1: yeah you know i think new york stays the uh this the course porsey's the guy they got to build around it kind of you know interrupts things and, and it's a big damper on you know how he's gonna you know mesh with some of the new talent there the point guard they drafted out of france and stuff but with the Boogie ins- injury, you know, I-, I read where it really might change. Kind of, you know, are they going to resign him? Are are they going to go with the Twin Towers long term? Because he was meshing better with Davis this year and all. And uh, you know, they had Giroux as healthy, which you know, that's that's another Pelican who gets hurt uh, now and then. I think that that really hurts because they. You know, they wanted to get more of a look of you know in today's modern NBA. Does a twin tower lineup how how effective can it be against you know smaller teams, and more perimeter shooting type oriented teams? So, it's it's a real bummer. And it's a bummer for fans, of course. You know, big but you know, Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard yeah. that that's the most mysterious because. They literally are like continued like it's it you know they always have the little four three two word description of why a player missed a game and with Leonard, I forget what it was but it was something I'd never seen before, and, and leave it to San Antonio and Popovich to have this whole new vague. They were super vague in the preseason when he got hurt about how severe it was. They kept it totally vague, you know. And then he comes back. He's kind of not really didn't seem to be 100% and then they shelve him again and then there's talk about him not being happy uh, what's your take on all that because that's, that's weird stuff out of San Antonio which is such the model franchise in the NBA
0: yeah I, I think originally I think what they wanted to do was just bring him back slowly this this setback, so to speak is, is fascinating to me because I still think based on how he looked he didn't look 100% but I think if they were meaningful games they probably don't sit him down again like, I think if they're making a playoff run, I think he's able to go and maybe, you know, a month before the playoffs start, maybe play himself back into shape. And I think that's what's frustrating to a guy, a competitor like Kawhi Leonard is he wants to play. That's his livelihood. That's his profession. He wants to play basketball. But
1: So you're thinking it's more along, along the theme of San Antonio, ultra cautious rest guys. And so now they have a guy young in his prime still, but kind of... If he's not 100%, let's make sure he's 100% by April when the games really
0: matter. Right, and I think that's where the frustration is coming out. And I'm not buying into how big. I mean, I think anybody would be frustrated if they're not able to play. But it it is still San Antonio. I give them the benefit of the doubt. I mean, look at what they've done, Todd, with LaMarcus Aldridge, who flat-out demanded a trade. Popovich and him had a face-to-face meeting. They aired their grievances. And he's having one of his best years. He's an all-star again. So... I don't think we've reached that point, but, look, I, it, it's, it sucks. I mean, it, it's a team that was one of the top three teams, top two, three teams last year in all of basketball. And to see what happened to uh, Kawhi this year, is given how old a lot of the roster is, is very frustrating. But with Boogie, I mean, I, I agree with you on Porzingis. I think that's just, it sucks, but we've seen that injury before. But Boogie being an Achilles injury, and also in the year where he was starting to figure it out, be more of a consistent 48-minute player a game, and having coming, off, coming off of his best games of the year, I would say, that Rockets game where he got hurt, he played phenomenal. Uh, it just sucks. I don't know what his contract's going to look like now. It's a tough position for the Pelicans to be in.
1: Yeah, I mean, better to be a monstrous, huge center and have an Achilles injury than, say, a point guard or a shooting guard or a slashing athletic small forward. And you're not relying but, on speed. Yeah, but, but nonetheless... Uh, it's a it's a big bummer and and they have to look, kind of look long and hard and that's a guy who gets hurt a little more often than you know the average guy seems like there's a lot of um I could look it up, but a lot of sixty something games played seasons at a boogie, so it kind of continues that that trend. but um that's where you really you know that's that's the biggest like bummer in terms of a setback i'm I'm looking right now. And his second year, oh that was his second year was I think the strike year. It was 64 games. So, so, but he has like a 71 game, 59 game season, 65 yeah. game season. Last year he played 72 games. you know now this year he gets 48 before done for the year. So he's he has a hard time staying healthy, it seems um, for such a huge guy who almost looks invincible.
0: Yeah, hopefully he can come back and uh, hopefully he gets, you know, obviously the contract he deserves and he can come back to being a dominant player. But a scary situation for Boogie Cousins. Uh, Let's talk about another team, though. Another team actually dealing with an injury, Kevin Love, another guy he's been out for close to two months, or it will be close to two months when he's expected to be back. But, Todd, the Cavs were just struggling. They were almost free-falling. It was pretty tough to watch from Christmas up until about a week ago. They make an overhaul, to say the least, something we don't really see a lot of on trade deadline day. They overhauled six of their 15 contracts to get new players in, and they've won three straight since they made those deals. Out went Isaiah Thomas, out went Dwayne Wade, uh, Channing Frye, among others. They bring in Jordan Clarkson, Larry Nance Jr. from the Lakers. They bring in George Hill. They bring in Rodney Hood. So a lot of pieces have been moving, but the Cavs look better. They look rejuvenated. I'll ask you, Todd, just obviously because we don't have a lot of track record. We don't have a lot of data to back up what happens when you trade six guys at the deadline when you're contending. for right. title. But do you think this is flash in the pan? This is, hey, something different? Or do you think this is sustainable? Like this legitimately makes them much, much better and maybe contender worthy again.
1: I'm more of a believer that it's legit because they really did, as you stated, radically retool the roster. And they got younger. They got more athletic. And and the real key is for the first time in a long time, they're athletic on the inside. They can block some shots with a a power forward slash center in Nance. Young guy who's now going to be playing, you know, where his dad played for so many years and was a star in the league, what, 35 years ago.
0: Yeah.
1: So... So I think I think I think it's legit. You know, they needed to get younger. They needed to get more athletic. You know, Jordan Clarkson's a a nice perimeter slashing guard who, uh, what, probably 24, 25 years old, you know, in his prime, you know, versus an aging Wade and versus, you know, the the very one dimensional really kind of, in my opinion, gross Channing Fry. You know, it's it's a big upgrade. And it's in, infused the life they needed. Now, and Hill is just kind of a steady hand. He's in his 10th year at the point. But the other big thing regarding their move is that a lot of times teams are reluctant to admit, oops, we made a mistake. This was right. this was not what we should have done. And with IT4, Isaiah Thomas, they did not, you know, they didn't lag. They said, you know what, Not not working, not fitting. He's not the same. It's not meshing with LeBron move them on out so you know it's it's good you know you cut your losses and you move on and that's what they did so i i applaud their gm and i think it's going to it's going to help them in a in an east that has suddenly got a couple other teams that are that are interesting there
0: yeah, well, like we were talking about beforehand last week when it happened. Uh, it's gonna make Taiwu have to coach <laughs> for the first time.
1: Exactly, that's right. We were what we were talking in the office because yeah, they finally have some depth. They finally have a choice of lineups and rotations and. And strategies versus, you know, they were kind of hamstrung before. Well, we got to play him, and it was kind of like you knew who your seven were because number eight or number nine just wasn't even close to you know NBA caliber, right. you know, 15 plus minutes a night. So yeah, it, it'll be interesting. But um, again, he's got it's a no brainer. You know, get Nance inside to play some defense. You can block some shots now, and and uh, you got. Clarkson, you know, can come in and carry some offense when LeBron's on the bench and stuff, uh, you know, before Love comes back. So it, it's nice. It's it's very helpful. And uh, I'm not surprised that the immediate returns have been positive.
0: Yeah, it definitely makes them more athletic. Um, I think one of the big things with this Cavs team was that they had to try something because you have no guarantees. It would probably be more likely that LeBron's not there next year than he is. So you have to try something to entice him to stay, and it wasn't working. They did the right thing in moving on from Isaiah before having to you know, either put up or shut up and, and pay him a lot or, or end up with nothing. But I think that point guard position is very fascinating too because you have LeBron who is a quintessential point forward. Are you going to play Clarkson a lot of minutes? Or are you going to try George Hill out there uh, in crunch time? And what it did too was it might have rejuvenated some guys they had currently on their roster that didn't get traded. J.R. Smith's looked great and uh Seti Osman who's getting some minutes has also had a spot open up in the rotation as well. They just had to try something. They had to they had to rejuvenate that locker room it, too it's Exactly. Also about try that.
1: something. And I noticed that J.R. Smith, little signs of life, because you know he's been kinda of slip sliding a bit, but um Yeah, he can still stroke it. Uh, I I don't know if he's quite as explosive as he was, say, uh, four or five years. I mean, he came into the league a long time ago now.
0: Yeah, he's your uh, J.R. Smith. So LeBron is, what, in his 15th year? J.R. is in his 14th year. You know, he came out of high school too.
1: He was the fourth draft. Him and the other Smith, Josh, who's already out of the league. So um, both came in from high school in that draft.
0: And Andrew Bynum out of high school, out of the league many, many years ago.
1: Uh I think (laughs) it was the next year, though. Bynum was five. Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, yeah, yeah I, you might be right there. I'm trying, I know Bynum was Smith, the
1: last year. or yeah. But they were later, later, deeper into the O four 4 draft. I yeah. think Bynum was like the 10th pick, but I don't think either Jr. or um, Josh. I don't think – I know Josh didn't make the lottery. I don't think J.R. was a lottery pick. I think they were in the teens. But um, yeah. anyway, we're sidetracked. <laughs> they, they've rejuvenated, and um, I, I think it's uh, – they got good options now and, and you talk about who do you go with well you know it's kind of like a hot hand versus hill, hill versus clarkson but um it, it's helped for lebron that he badly needed because he has been and we'll talk about some stats uh later but he's been pretty incredible this season
0: he certainly has he certainly has he'll talk with todd speed Bernard robinson money mitch effect uh and what the Cavs have done essentially now i'm not ready to say they're Able to compete with the Warriors, the Rockets just yet, but in the East, they're back maybe in the driver's seat, given what they've done, how they've looked, and also, Todd, how the feel-good Boston Celtics, who went on a tear after Gordon Hayward got injured, they've been struggling recently. And it's not just getting blown out by the Cavs. They got blown out by the Raptors. They lost the Clippers at home. This is a team that may have hit a wall and may, in my opinion, be limited at times on offense. I look at this team, Todd. I know that they are they are they've got good young players, they're athletic, they're, they're even with Hayward, they got a lot of good wing players. But that backcourt without Kyrie Irvin, when he's out of the game or when he's not 100% on, could be kind of troubling.
1: Yeah, you know, Rogier has been nice. I think Marcus Smart has been injured a bit. They have a couple guys to slide in there when Kyrie's out. But I think I remember when we talked, it was November and I mentioned they still don't really have an interior defender. As far as I can tell, they haven't really, I don't think they ever addressed an interior defender uh, in terms of a shot blocker or something like that. You know, they, they, they've they added Greg Monroe, who's not a shot blocker. He's post offense kind of in a few rebounds. Yeah, they they, they seem to have issues. Um, I haven't watched them a lot. I know the rookie's been in fuego from distance, Tatum. I think he's shooting like, uh, well, he's actually slipped a bit. He's down to 42% from three. I know he was 45 and above earlier. So, you know, maybe he's crashing down to earth a bit. And, um, yeah, I I think Toronto has been more consistent than Boston for sure.
0: Yeah, and I think a lot of teams are inquired about Tyreek Evans as they should have (laughs) given his current team situation and a trade wasn't made and and you know they might have been asking for too much it's hard to speculate with one player but boston might have been better served to acquire someone at the deadline because they're they're actually they're putting a lot of faith in the basket of hayward's going to give us something in the playoffs because and it is a big ask but if he doesn't this team could get a little thin against toronto or cleveland in a seven game series i'm just i'm a little worried that they didn't make another move to cement their status
1: Yeah, and we talked about the Cavs finally getting that interior defender in Nance, and you know, if I'm Boston, that's a guy who would be on my acquisition radar prior to the trade deadline is, wow, young interior defender, hmm, yes, that fills a hole, and it's not some superstar you got to pay through the nose for, I don't know if they ever inquired or whatever, it it would seem that they have depth at other positions, they could have made a move with the Lakers, the Lakers kind of had a log jam there with the emergence of Kuzma. And so, you know, that's something where Boston's big rivals swooped in and got uh, Larry before um, before the Celtics were able to. And because, like I was saying, it just they need that interior defense too, that interior shot blocking presence. And, um, you know, Cleveland got it, they didn't. So that, that's a big ouch for them.
0: And Todd, tell me about Toronto now because – you know, we, we talk about Cleveland, we talk about Boston, but quietly, maybe not so quietly anymore, the Raptors are putting together their best season, and they are looking like legit threats to both of those teams. We we always talk about how good their one-two punch has been. It's crazy that DeMar DeRozan's been an MVP candidate. He keeps getting better, uh, which is scary. But they've also put together a nice little rotation behind him. Um, what do you attribute Toronto's success with?
1: You know, it's uh, they got it's hard to say maturity with, you know, DeRozan and Lowry have been in the league for a while. And even Valanciunas what, six, six years or so, five, six years. But, you know, sometimes the seasoning process takes a while. And, you know, they also added the rookie who really Ruby, gives them intangibles yeah. and, and great flexibility on defense. He can, uh, he can guard a power forward. He can also guard a, a point guard, his stat lines never look so great it's very it's very rare that he emerges with even 10 plus points or 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 six or seven rebounds but uh, when he's out there he gives them the intangibles they've got you know CJ Miles is is gunning off the bench um they've even withstood Norman Powell really kind of backsliding um you know he kind of was emerging a bit in the playoffs versus Milwaukee last uh, spring and people expected big things out of him, and he got the starting nod at, at small forward. And then uh, I think he got hurt a little bit. Also started the season very slow, and OG Ananobi, the rookie, took his place. But, um, yeah, it's just they've been way more consistent than, than the Celtics or certainly Cleveland. And in addition to that, you look at point differential, just how much do you beat your opponents by. The Raptors are second in the league. In point differential, the Rockets are one, and Golden State is right behind Toronto, but nobody's really close to those three teams because the Rockets are number one at eight point seven, mm-hmm. uh, Toronto's number two at eight point five, Golden State's eight point one, and then the next pet best point differential in the league drops to three point five. Wow, uh, Boston. So <laughs> yeah, it, it's, you,
0: it's a good sign. <laughs> there's
1: three elites, and then Cleveland. I think that their point, they're gonna they're gonna improve. They're a different team now than than they were pre trade deadline. So that's a little you know tricky. But to me, it looks like those four teams are the elite: Cleveland, Toronto, and then in the West, Houston, Golden State.
0: Yeah, it certainly looks that way. I like what Toronto's doing. Uh, you mentioned the seasoning. Lowry's minutes have actually gone down a bit, which I think is a good thing because I think they might tick back up in the playoffs, but.
1: I didn't mention that guy, Van Fleet, yeah, who
0: back in the really yeah, emerged out of nowhere to be a very helpful
1: 15, 20-minute-a-night guy.
0: I do want to, you know, you brought up Golden State and Houston. I want to talk about the Western Conference for a bit. And Golden State's always going to be the standard bearer. I know the Rockets have a better record right now. They're in what I call that winter funk that championship-level teams get into because it's not the NFL, Todd. There's 82 games in this season. It's impossible to be on all the time. But Golden State's kind of in that mode where Kerr knows this is a championship team. This is a team that has trouble, like any team would, focusing throughout the season. He's mixed it up. He let the players pretty much coach themselves against the the Suns, which I mean, it's the Suns, so nothing really would make a difference there. But are you buying any any vulnerability on this team? Or do you think they'll still just be fine and a clear favorite to win the title again?
1: I would definitely not say clear favorite. I will say fine in the sense that they will be hitting for the most part on all cylinders, all of their cylinders. I just think Houston's improved in the West. You know, what we've seen over the last, say, three, four years is Golden State emerged and Curry had that monster, absurd year, his MVP year, and they were kind of the darling. They're kind of now like more the Black Knight. They, They get teed up a lot. They're kind of following Draymond Green's lead. Yeah, Durant's there.
0: turning into a, a guy getting teased. Durant's T-S-S- getting
1: L- chippy. He was a, a nicer, more mild-mannered guy in OKC. The coach, Kerr, is getting, you know, he, he's gotten teed up a bit. So the whole team, I, the GM talked to the team about all the tees. Wow. I, now, I, I don't remember that ever happening with another team where the GM's going, hey, guys, as a team, this is too much. Let's just kind of like take referees and and not be. you know, Let's play basketball, not football. Let's right. uh, you know, honor the referees' calls. Yeah. You can question a bit, but the constant stuff. So they've turned in kind of to the New England Patriots of the NBA, where it's like you, you tend to want to root against them because first of all they're they're loaded. They did the, the KD joining, which kind of like you know tips the scales, and it's like oh god, you know. So there's that, and then now the chippiness it makes you really kind of not want to root for them, but. But that said, I, I think they'll be hitting their stride. I, I don't think they're they're wobbly in terms of um, still gonna be wobbly and directionless come, you know, April. I think they've been there enough now. Mm-hmm. I just would like to see them focus on, you know, p- play the game with better manners <laughs> as a father of a couple of years, ten and twelve year old in better manners, you know.
0: Yeah, I think their bench It'll looks be kinda there. weak, honestly. That might be one area. It's, Iguodala might have gotten a little old before our eyes. You know, McCall's yeah, out with an injury. We surprised
1: this guy from the uh, yeah. J.R. Smith and uh, Josh <laughs> Smith draft in 2004. It's a long time <laughs> ago just,
0: now. We just keep inadvertently referencing that draft. It's great. Everything points
1: back to the 0-4 draft, the Dwight Howard draft.
0: Yeah, Mecca Okafor. was
1: a big question at that draft. Oh. Howard or
0: <laughs> I was a Howard guy. I've gotten a lot wrong, but I will be honest. I was a joy Howard guy then. Hey, overall,
1: five, nicely done there, Mitch. But by the way, Emeka Okafor back in the league. I know New Orleans it's, taking D becauses place.
0: <laughs> it's incredible. It's I think yeah. you think they thought they signed Jaleel Okafor and realized they got the wrong one. I don't know. <laughs> maybe, maybe.
1: What? I don't know. But Mitch, did they get the wrong one? Maybe Amecha. Ten years later,
0: yeah. <laughs> he's um, bad.
1: Poor Jahil. Wow, what a they, what a Sedaisy, draft pick.
0: Very, very weird. Um, I don't think, getting back to the Warriors, I, I, it depends on what we consider clear favorites. I think, I wouldn't say overwhelming, but I think clear favorites, in my opinion, means most likely team to win the title is still the Golden State Warriors, even if the Rockets have home court in the playoffs. But I have to give Houston credit because I didn't realize this. This is the first time they've ever in their franchise's history had the best record at the All-Star break. And Todd, what they've been able to do has been remarkable. I know you mentioned LeBrons stats, and he's been incredible, but James Harden's the mVp. i'm I'm gonna say it right now. he He has to be my vote for MVP unless something dramatic changes thirty one and ten, thirty eight from three, and averaging ten attempts a game.
1: Uh, he he um we might as well jump into he was the the, the first stat that I wrote down is as phenomenal as his twenty nine points and eleven assist, and I think it was like eight rebounds last year. You know, this year he's 31-9, and five rebounds, almost two steals, shooting 44.8%. He had that 60-10-10 game, which
2: <laughs>
1: plain and simple has never been done before. So that tells you a little something about that. So absurdity, complete absurdity. I would have to agree. I'm not—I still remain not a huge James Harden fan because I think— when it gets to crunch time, he tends to pound the rock, pound the rock, and become predictable. If it's a tight game, he's. It'll be interesting in tight games to see the dynamic between him and CP3. If if he plays off CP3 and has CP3 create or run the show, that'll be interest interesting to see. But uh, and you know, and, and Houston very sneakily acquired Joe Johnson.
0: Yeah, I who, saw um, Joe back. Still, he was he exactly two thousand
1: one he was very big in beating the clippers last year in the playoffs for utah he he played a very big role was over 12 points a game in those playoffs total and he was big in the clinching game against the uh the paper clips so you know joe johnson been in the league forever he's 36 years old now but he could come through and play a key 10 to 12 minutes um you know a night for them uh, come playoffs and it's like he's just so savvy and smooth, and he's like, you know, he's not. There's a guy who's not going to get teed up or whatever. He's just like mild mannered Joe.
0: I think Clint Capella could be a key, and, and Eric Gordon as well to some extent. But if Capella can can go beast mode against the Golden State, really attack their inside, I think that's because we, we're setting up for them in the conference finals, right? I mean, the total Thunder, the Thunder were they're getting better. Paul George is really fitting into that system, but. They you know the Robertson injury is is a bad one for, his, for their defensive purposes. I just don't see them on that level. And I know you really like the Utah team. It's a great story, maybe one of the stories of the year with Mitchell and what they've been able to do post losing their best player last year. But it has to be Golden State and Houston.
1: Yeah, and, and I'm glad you mentioned Clint Capella, because I, I was a big fan of him. I, I remember when he was drafted, and I was like, you know, who's this guy out of Switzerland, you know? And then you're watching the draft, and then they show you, like, 30 seconds of B-roll. And I was like, wow, I like him. And they're like, he's super raw, but, you know, he can jump, and he's explosive, He's but he's very raw, you know? And uh, it's been great to see. He's one of those great stories where a, a highly athletic guy... Works on his game, works on his skills, and you see steady improvement every year. So he's a big reason, a huge reason, why Houston is, I think, significantly better than they were a year ago and are far more of a threat to uh, taking the Western mantle from Golden State. They've kind of had a stranglehold on it uh, for three or four years now. So, yeah, you know, Ariza's, you know, he's getting into his 30s, but still able to do it. Eric Gordon played some really nice ball when CP3 was hurt early in the year. Yeah, I'm a very much a believer in, in Houston uh, being a heck of a tough out, even for Golden State, come uh, conference finals, assuming that is what we'll see.
0: I do want to let you mention, still talking with Todd Speed, Bernard Robinson, on the Money Mitch effect. One of the teams you really wanted to break down was the Utah Jazz. So let's get into it. It's Donovan Mitchell has been nothing sort of amazing, and, and we joke that if they would only let this award count for two <laughs> rookies, he'd be rookie of the year, no question. But... Ben Simmons didn't play last year. It's going to get Dicey down the stretch. But I'm a fan of what he can do. I'm a fan of Quinn Snyder dealing with this team through adversity. It's one of the few, I think, feel-good stories. And, and who knows? This team could win a playoff series.
1: At the 13th overall <clears throat> Excuse me, selection, uh, it's phenomenal, the stats that he's uh, posting and the consistency there hasn't been that like, you know, oh, we're 40 games in and now I'm going to fall off a cliff uh, with the numbers and, and hit a wall. He hasn't really hit that wall. He's, he's incredibly athletic and fun to watch. I had no idea he was as explosive as he is. And the Utah team as a whole, you know, they lost to Atlanta in, uh, I think it was like, january 22nd you know and and you're losing to kind of the drex if you're losing to atlanta though i think atlanta's won a few more games than than i would have thought at this point of the year but uh, nonetheless it was kind of a low point for the utah team well since then they've won 11 straight games and they've had like very nice numbers in that game in terms of point differential they're outscoring teams by 15 points per 100 possessions in that winning streak 11 games so it's getting quite impressive uh and in that streak of all people ricky rubio is averaging just under 19 points a game and, and he's never averaged in the teens in his career for a season and, and he's averaging 12 again still this year,
0: under 30 high. still under 30 ricky rubio incredible <laughs>
1: Yeah, still a young. Yeah, he was a, he was a nineteen. I think he was nineteen when he was drafted and turned twenty. I think his rookie year. So yeah, he came into the league as a as a wide eyed little prodigy with passing skills and long hair. He's been nineteen, basically nineteen five and a half and seven and a half during this winning streak. Donovan Mitchell's been twenty one a game. Donovan Mitchell on the season is 19.5 points, about three and a half rebounds, three and a half dimes, and one and a half steals. And there's only seven other rookies in the history of the league who have matched all four of those marks. And every one of them was taken with either the eighth pick or, or higher. So no one who's been taken in the double digits area, 10th, 11th, 12th, has ever been as impressive as what Mitchell is doing, so it's it's really it's quite the under the radar story. Uh, him and the team, Gobert missed 26 games, but he's back and he's a double double with obviously some of the best interior defense in the league. Joe Ingles has been 16 a game in this winning streak. <laughs> that doesn't make it's, any sense. <laughs> Derek Favors has come back to life after some really sh- shaky, you know, injury riddled seasons. I've always been kind of a soft spot. I always had a soft spot for favors. So it's it's really nice to see so many guys. They got rid of Hood. He wasn't really, they didn't need him so much with the emergence of Mitchell. And Alec Burks is back from injury. And he's been a very steady 15 to 20 minutes a night off the bench. So yeah, it's they're, been fun. Going in Utah and they're going to be a, a difficult team to deal with uh, come, uh, come the playoff time. And, yeah, they might draw. They might draw Houston or uh, Golden State.
0: Should be pretty fun to see. Well, Todd, we're in the—I know—we're I know officially in the stats portion of this. <laughs> we kind of bled early into it, but there's been some remarkable stats this year. Uh, what has caught your eye? I, I gotta say, just a suggestion—that that new duo out in Detroit's been pretty fun to watch. What Drummond and BG have been able to do—I
1: like exactly Drummond is having his best season. Um, Rebounding
0: has been just insane. I mean, since Blake's got there, I don't know that he's had a game less than 15 rebounds.
1: Well, he's at 15.7 for the season, so he's been just boarding like a madman. That's a career high for him um, by almost a whole rebound. Blake has been 20 points, 8 rebounds, 6 assists since he got there, since the trade, but only shooting 40%. So they're 8-3 and with Blake in the lineup. The strangest thing was that they had this three-game losing streak, It was to the Clippers, Atlanta, and New Orleans. So kind of a surprise that two of those games were at home. But Detroit's, I like them, and I like that combo. Blake has always been a very good passer, and he's still doing it in Detroit. And Andre, you know, his his free throw shooting is also literally like 25 percentage points better than ever before. I don't think he's ever shot 40% or maybe like 41, 42% before, and he's like 63% this year. So Detroit's very interesting. The other stat that really is kind of under the radar, because last year was such a big deal with Westie, uh Russell Westbrook, and getting a triple-double, well, he's only .6 rebounds away from triple-doubling again for this season. <laughs> uh, he's a 25-4 and 9-4 and 10-4, so utterly absurd. I will admit he's kind of a stat hawk. I think he hawks his rebound numbers, his dime numbers, he likes posting silly stat lines, but uh, you know, I'm sure a lot of guys like posting that, but uh, only so many have the ability to do it and he does. So it it's amazing that, that he's kind of replicating somewhat with a little less scoring. He's about six a game less than last year, but um, pretty phenomenal what he's yeah. doing for a second I, year in a row.
0: I'll say one of the stats, I think two in particular. So we in the League in Steals right now, Paul George. It's pretty cool that he's bought into defense, but to be fair, only one tenth of a steal away is Victor Oladipo. I mean, that guy uh, is just having an unbelievable season. He's dropped to eleventh in scoring, but man, what a what a difference it makes playing back in the state of Indiana.
1: You know, he goes to uh, he goes to Oklahoma City to play alongside Westy last year, and for whatever reason, I I haven't watched Indiana much. I'm guessing Depot has the ball in his hands a lot versus a year ago. Certainly more so than a year ago, but it just didn't mesh with Westbrook, and it has meshed beautifully in uh, in Indiana. And he's back home in Indiana. Went, went to he was a Hoosier, but um, yeah, neat to see him just really emerge big time. Then of course you have same draft Greek Freak uh, posting career high in points this year. Tonight Greek Greek Freak played against Jokic tonight. And they both posted 30 point triple doubles. Uh, but Jokic posted a 30, 15, and 15. Uh, <laughs> he had at least 15 of both dimes and, yeah. and rebounds, which is, I'm sorry, just off the charts That's ridiculous. So he didn't have any turnovers, but my God, a 30, 15, 15 line. Wow, wow, wow. And Greek Freak was 36, 11, and 13 with three swats. And they both shot lights out. Greek Freak was 14 of 21 tonight, and uh, Jokic was 11 of 14. So, just there's, and and if you ever watch Jokic, he passes, the the ball will come to him, and he'll just slap the ball to the next person to make the pass. It's so quick. He's, it's a bit Larry Bird like on his passing. Larry Bird used to kind of do that too. Yeah. and, And the last thing in terms of stats, is LBJ on the season. He's at a career high in assists per game, 8.9. Last year was his prior best, 8.7. And he's 26.5 points. He's 8.1 rebounds. And he's shooting Mm 54.4%. And he's averaging a block a game. It's the first time he's averaged a block a game since 2009-2010. So... Mm -hmm. You know, LBJ. He's in, and finally, lbj's like you know, getting to the mid thirties, getting a little older. He's not a kid anymore, but he can do it. He he is he is quite a talent.
0: <laughs> I'm so glad Jason kids out of Milwaukee to impede the Greek freak. <laughs> we got uh, finally got rid of that coaching uh, uh, person in the way. And may, hey, who knows? Jokic might be uh, might be destined to be the new most popular Serbian athlete.
1: Oh, boy. Yeah. I don't think we're going to touch on tennis tonight, but uh, talk about your downfalls. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I want to give a shout out to Kat. I want to give a shout out to Kat, though. Fifty one double doubles before the all star break ties. Kevin Love for most double doubles before an all star break ever. Third on that list was George Mike and pretty cool that all three were Minnesota based players. So,
1: oh, that's interesting. That is
0: interesting. Pretty cool. And speaking of that, Todd, before I let you go here on the Money Mitch Effect, you know, it is All-Star Weekend. It's in L.A. It's always kind of interesting to see uh, some of the events. I was always more of a Saturday night. You know, the Friday night, the rookie skills, the rookie game, and then the Saturday night always was something I was, you know, tuned into and still am to this day. But what, what do you like or dislike about All-Star Weekend? I do
1: like that rookie game. And, you know, they've, they've reformatted it and switched it around. It used to be rookies versus softs. And now they're blending them and all. It, then it was international versus USA. I honestly don't even know what it is this year. But it's very smart of the NBA to say, hey, by the way, these are our next stars. Get to know them. It kind of keeps the fans. It keeps that lifeblood, that, that star power in a league that's driven by star power. Um, it keeps them out in the public eye. but And it's fun to watch. I think they try harder i really don't like the all-star game anymore it's it's comical they almost treat it like a shoot around um <laughs> yeah. it's not even like an ex- i mean yeah it's an exhibition but i mean it's almost like a it's a, it's like a game of trick horse well i i could do this off the glass into <laughs> the guy who's trailing you know and it's like come on i mean i grew up i'm an old fart you know i grew up in the 80s as a teenager watching, you know, some of the legends of the game, Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Charles Barkley, Akeem Olajuwon, you know, these guys, they had some pride in that game. And and they, you know, yeah, they, they weren't, you know, hyper intense on defense, but they played ball and they played to win and they wanted to win. And you get the feeling that it's just all Star Weekend. By the time Sunday comes around, it's all about how many you know rap superstars are in the crowd, how many actors and actresses are in the crowd, what's the party situation, who's wearing what, <laughs> you know, what singer is there, and, and by the time the game and then the game comes around, and the players. It's unwatchable to me, so yeah, I
0: like the, the dunk contest, though. I mean, that's the one that i I always remember, and that's that has some history behind it. So you like to think every year it it isn't always good. But if you get a good dunk competition like the one between Gordon and Levine a few years ago, that can be pretty cool,
1: yeah. I mean, I, again, I'm talking specifically to that Sunday, which is supposed to be the culmination. And to me, it's oh, it's, yeah, it's become know, it's <laughs> just a comical joke. And, and it's too much of like, pub and glitz and this and that and it it just it turns me off radically but yeah the the dunk contest you have seen the creativity and you know what can they do next and we'll we'll find out this year we got a couple uh a couple springy rookie guards Dennis Smith Jr. and uh the aforementioned uh Donovan Mitchell who um will be showing off their hops in that dunk contest I forget the other two but the bigger guys
0: should be fun. Can't wait for that. Todd, this was a pleasure. Uh, we'll have to be chatting some hoops in the uh, in the springtime months and probably dive into some tennis then as well. <laughs> I think that might happen too.
1: Yeah, get a little more clarity on the tennis season, which has uh, been interesting, and then uh, do a little playoff preview in uh, eight weeks or so.
0: Sounds great. Todd Speed, Bruna Robinson, thanks again for coming on the Money Mitch Effect.
1: No doubt. Great to be here as always.
0: Huge thanks to Todd Robinson, the Speed Burner, for coming on today's show. Reminder, you can catch all of his stuff at Speed Burner on sports. No vowels in there. We'll be talking hoops and tennis definitely in the near future. I can't wait to see what happens post-All-Star break in the National Basketball Association. All right, next up, Tyler Tesson coming on the show again. My good buddy from my St. Louis University days to talk about some Olympic talk, the NHL season, if Tampa Bay is still Thoroughly the team to beat out in the Eastern Conference, who can threaten them, Washington and Pittsburgh obviously come to mind. And what the West looks like as well in the NHL, we talk football, we talk free agency, we talk a lot of different things, it's Tyler Tesson, on the Money Mitch Effect, chopping it up sports, here it is now.
1: I'm feeling
0: All right, now joining us on the show on the Money Mitch Effect to talk some football, some hockey, and some general sports stuff, my good buddy Tyler Tesson, recurring guest friend of the program. Tyler, thanks for joining the show. No problem. Thanks for having me, Mitch. It's interesting. This time of year with football season over, we know it never really leaves the news cycle, um, but we have the winter sports to talk about as well. I'm going to be honest, though. I'm getting into the Winter Olympics at this moment. I've caught the spirit, and as we're recording this, USA is playing Canada and women's hockey in the background right now. That, Tyler, that might be my biggest uh, in investment right now. With how the men's team started off so sluggish, and there's not really uh, you know NHL players at these games, is the USA Canada women's hockey hockey rivalry.
2: Yeah, the men's is definitely it's tougher to get into without your big name guys in there, and Luckily, in the women's, USA is always there, so, you know, that's pretty much going to be them in Canada in the end, so at least you know that one's going to be entertaining.
0: Yeah, don't think Japan or uh, South Korea has what it takes Korea, unfortunately. <laughs> it's funny, because I didn't even realize this until uh, today, but women's ice hockey is the one sport that South and North Korea are unified under. That's the only sport that they're competing on the same team, so...
2: Yeah, that's just strange. I guess that maybe if they didn't, they wouldn't have a team.
0: That's what it seems like. I can only imagine what it would be like if, if the men's team had to play North Korea. If it was USA versus North Korea, that would be a bloodbath.
2: Yeah, I, I wouldn't feel safe
0: out there. <laughs> no, not at all, not at all. Um, but, yeah, USA women have to win this year. They They came as close as you could possibly come in Sochi in 2014. And it's hard to believe they haven't won a, uh, a gold medal in 20 years. But the Olympics are nice. It's a nice break from uh, the professional sports grind, that, you know, the college basketball that feels like a professional sports season. Is there any other event, just to touch on the Olympics, Tyler, that you've been a fan of, just randomly? I know curling's got everyone's heart right now.
2: For me, it's really just curling and hockey. That's, <laughs> those are the main ones. Everything else, I kind of just keep on in the background, but I wouldn't say I'm <laughs> intensely watching any of them.
0: They need to explain curling to, they have to have broadcasters explain it better to people that know nothing about the sport. That's one of my takeaways. Because it's a fascinating yeah. game, but I need more of a breakdown for people that don't know anything.
2: And I think the attraction is, I think most people think that they should just go out there and do it themselves. You know, like when you're watching skiing and ice skating and a lot of the other ones, you know, most people pretty much know they can't do it at that level, but I truly think the general audience is like, oh, I could go out there and beat these guys at yeah. the curling.
0: Like four <laughs> years of training, give up drinking for a while, and they could do it. Yeah, uh...
2: like <laughs> I, I sweep my kitchen floor every day. I can do this. <laughs>
0: yeah, no, I've been watching that. I've been watching some skiing just because they're going like 70 miles an hour out there. It's pretty crazy. Um, the jumps too, especially. Uh, And then it's funny that snowboarding, which still feels weird to me as an Olympic sport, is just being dominated by teenagers now. Teenagers and Sean White is pretty much who wins Olympic sports So uh, in snowboarding. Yeah,
2: that's the one I I forgot to mention. It's kind of, you know, not your standard Olympic sport, but that one actually is pretty entertaining to watch just because it's just unbelievable what those guys can do.
0: Yeah, I feel like USA just made it a sport so we can run up our medal count, which is fine. (laughs) But uh, I think that's (laughs) happened, so... But, yeah, we'll, we'll talk to the professional game. Unfortunately, not NHL players in the Olympics, but the season's still going on. And, uh, Tyler, it's been an interesting one. Your team in particular, the Blues, are one team in a list of many for me that I can't quite figure out. And I, I don't know if this is a, a year. What do you think about this? Is, this? is this a year where we have more teams that are unpredictable? Because I really don't know who's a contender or pretender this late into the season. I feel like most years I have a better idea.
2: Yeah, it, it's definitely been a wild year. And I think a lot of it is you have Tampa up top, who wasn't even in the playoffs last year. You have an expansion team that's just tearing it up. Mm-hmm. And then Chicago is kind of in the dumps right now. And Yeah, but the Blues, I they're probably the team I watch more than anybody. And I, I have no idea what's going to happen with them. They could not make the playoffs and it wouldn't surprise me, or they could go to the Stanley Cup and it wouldn't surprise me.
0: Yeah, that, they blew that Nashville game, and that was so uncharacteristic of that team and of a Mikey O'Coach team to blow a three-goal lead like they did. They have, they're have they as hot and cold as they've ever been, and that's saying something for that team that's been prone for good in, in rough patches. But I just I, I don't know. I mean, I, I wonder where it's a, it's a cliche, but where the offense is going to come down the stretch for this team. Chicago being uh, being on the dumps and, and and going on, I think, a six game losing streak and, and sliding out of the playoff picture as it would seem right now might be the biggest story of the year. Them in Edmonton, everybody's trendy Western Conference final picks, uh, because Chicago still, despite their aging and, and despite you know a lot of their uh, their salary cap issues, they still have two of the top you know players in the league and other great players. And yeah, it's just been a disaster for them this month.
2: Yeah, and. You know, I always thought as long as they had Kane and Taze, they're pretty much going to be fine. But I think, you know, with being on such a tight cap and trying to fill in those role players, I think maybe it's just catching up to them where it's just one of those years where they didn't find all the right pieces.
0: Panarin, that loss was big because I thought Saad, while he's doing all right, Panarin played so well with Kane, and he's just not as good anymore um i mean you nah. should so say you know sod's not playing as well anymore and panarin is was a loss but they're getting old on that back line you know seabrook got healthy scratched at least once this year keith is looking his age if you're a chicago fan it's sad but you had to realize the day would come because it always does
2: yeah and goaltending they're about to average at it maybe that's being nice but you know with the team getting older you really need a goalie back there that can stand on his head and I just don't think they have it right now.
0: Everybody likes Nashville and Winnipeg in the Western Conference, and I think you can easily see why. In Nashville's case, they've done it before, and they're really heating up. They're getting healthy. Winnipeg, Tyler, I've always held the assumption that they just have the right form, formula. Like, I, I feel confident in that, maybe even more than Nashville, because I've seen that style work. They're big, they're physical, and they finally have a goaltender, and, and unquestionably a great home ice advantage.
2: Yeah, exactly. I mean are strong defensively and they are just one of those teams that you know when they get in the playoffs, they're just going to pound teams to death and it goes six, seven games the other teams are just going to be wore out and not be able to hang. They're kind of just one of those stereotypical the playoff teams that everybody kind of knows it's if they can get there, they're going to have a
0: great shot. Yeah, 21 wins at home this season, most in the NHL. Uh, it's pretty uh, incredible. Still talking with Tyler Tesla on the money-mitch effect. And then, I mean, you have the Eastern Conference, Tyler, which is it's funny to me because we know it's basically three teams from the Atlantic and then everybody in the Metro trying to figure out those last spots. I've never seen the dynamic that one-sided in a division. Uh, with with teams like Columbus and the Islanders on the outside right now Carolina and New Jersey in the wild card spots but the big story for me is the Rangers are sellers at the deadline and that's something I thought we all thought would come but I mean it's clear the window is shut Nash is on the deadline this Rangers team never won a championship and is, it's coming to Judgment Day
2: Yeah and they were one of those teams last year where you kind of felt like the window was getting pretty close there and I think I think it's finally there now, and they're getting older, so I would look for them to be big-time sellers this year.
0: Is there anybody else in that division, though, the Metro? Or we should just pencil in Pittsburgh, Washington again? Because, I, I mean, I feel like we could hype up all these teams, but at the end of the day, we know what the conference semi is going to be.
2: Yeah, I, I really like New Jersey, but I think I think they may be one more year away from yeah, I think they're a year away and probably a player or two away from being at that level with those teams. But yeah, I mean, it's pretty much Washington and Pittsburgh, and yep. I think that's probably what the NHL wants for ratings too.
0: Yeah, they got a goal. Sc- they got some goal scoring now. The, the Devils, uh, but yeah, uh, I don't think they have the firepower for that series for a seven game series against those two teams. If you're if it's Washington. You know they're praying that somebody knocks out Pittsburgh early in that first round.
2: <laughs> that's all. Yeah, need. yeah, and you know Pittsburgh would love to play Washington and <laughs> just own them in the playoffs.
0: Well, and not to go back and forth between conferences, but I just I have to bring up the Pacific Division because it's have you seen that tower? It's just basically a clown show right now with Vegas, San Jose, <laughs> and Calgary as the top three seeds. San Jose, that's gone into a slight rebuild mode. I don't think many people have realized what they've done. No more Marlowe. They've they've kind of cut costs across the board, yet they're still in second. Calgary who couldn't stop anybody last year. And the Vegas Golden Knights. I mean that division makes no sense. I don't care who you are. No hockey prognosticators had these three teams in February.
2: Yeah, I mean I think Vegas is the story of the NHL this year. I mean, it's just unbelievable. I was looking at some earlier. I think they have the best winning percentages on any expansion team in any sports league ever. <laughs> yeah,
0: and they had pretty they had, unbelievable. They had the most wins in NHL expansion in NHL expansion season history, like with three months of the season left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: And what? I think what do they have? Just a handful of losses at home this year too, which you know, I think a lot of sports leagues will probably be looking at, you know, NFL, my team might be going 8-0 at home uh, out there because other teams don't know
0: how to handle it. Yeah, that Vegas flu is just sweeping through there. But, um, no, I, I yeah, you could have made a lot of money if you thought that early in the season, if you just hammered uh, the Vegas team at home. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm still I, – I sound like it's my hill to die on, and maybe it is, but I still doubt them in a seven-game series when you play the same team in a row, and they can study you and size you up.
2: Yeah, I, I'm with you. I just, I don't know. I just, I feel like it's just one of those strange years for them where they may go on a run. I, it's just nothing stopped them yet, so it's hard to count them out. A lot of, they're, I mean, yeah. they're getting scoring. They may have 40, or uh, 420 goals scores this year, too, so they have some depth.
0: Yeah, and I think with the exception of Neal, nobody else has gotten 20 goals before in a season. It's all career highs across the board, so... Uh, yeah. Yeah, it, it, you know what? It's true. I mean, it is an open up for them, but to be fair to teams like Columbus and Nashville who have complained uh, vocally or non-vocally, it is a little easier than it was for those teams, you know, to be an expansion team. The rules are more more friendly than they were 20 years ago, so can't be too... Yeah. Can't, can't not mention that, but... The last thing I'll say yeah. in the NHL this year right now is uh, I want to talk about the local teams out here in the uh, Los Angeles area. It hasn't been good at all uh, in the last couple months. The Ducks never got out of the gate. And the Kings, who started out strong, dealt with injuries. They made a trade already. We're, we're getting a trade deadline season. You know, only a little like a little over a week away. De'Anne Fanouf back in L.A. Or in L.A., I should say, but on the Kings. Um, <laughs> interesting move. I wasn't sure that that would be the one that would work.
2: Yeah,
0: and sending Gabrick on his way out there. <laughs> <laughs> Gabrick, it's it's kind of a sad day. <laughs> you know, it's funny, as we're recording this now, uh, Canada beats USA and a line brawl breaks out at the end of the game. So, <laughs> so we'll have to keep tabs on that. But, no, I Gabrick getting traded to leaving L.A., I should say, it's kind of a bittersweet day because he didn't have anything left, or much left, I should say. He's 36 now. He's banged up. But without him... You know they don't win, and that I think that's as clear as day.
2: You know, he's not still a good player, but you know he's he's getting out end of his career here too, though.
0: <laughs> yeah, they just can't score. I, I don't know why. I mean, it's something, but they just they, they have a tough time scoring. It looks like Dowdy's going to win the Norris again, uh, but or one of the people up in the running, but they just can't score. And uh, I mean, who knows? They can just sneak into a Pacific spot and. It could happen, but I, I think that division yeah. is just a mess. How Edmonton hasn't fired McClellan yet is truly remarkable <laughs> given the hype on this team. I, I don't understand it. You have Connor McDavid who is just a certified beast already and you can't and you can't figure it out.
1: Yeah,
2: there there are gonna be some shakeups there, especially after the expectations last year coming into this season. They're they're not gonna be happy with not being a playoff team.
0: Oh no. Oh no. And last thing here on the NHL Tower. Do you see any other names other than Nash we mentioned that may be big time names dealt at the deadline and do you think maybe your blues might be buyers and uh, trying to acquire someone?
2: I don't know. The one they keep mentioning in St. Louis is potentially Maroon from Edmonton just because okay. they want to dump the salary but I don't, I don't know if you'd call as a big name. Yeah. Homecoming. But, it's a homecoming. <laughs> yeah. So I'd say that's the big rumor around here everyone keeps talking about but I don't know if that's the final piece that really gets the Blues to the level they need to be, though.
0: The name that I'm looking at is Evander Kane in Buffalo. I think that's that's like the ceiling of a player I, I would expect, a skill player, about as good as I would expect to be dealt. They're going nowhere this year. Eichel just got hurt. He's a volatile player, but I think in the right system, he could push a team over the top. So he's somebody I would watch for sure, but... Yeah, it's interesting. With all these teams like all over the place, you're not really sure who's good and, and who's not good, so who's going to be a buyer, who's going to be a seller. It's very fascinating, to say the least.
2: Yeah, I think just put your money on Tampa Bay at this point. Yeah, it's a
0: safe one. It's a safe one. Boston's <laughs> tough, too. All right, Tyler Tesla, yeah. money. Tyler Tesla money, Mitch Effect. Let's talk about football because I can't remember an off season that has had this much drama already, especially in the coaching ranks. With Josh McDaniel's miraculous leaving of the Indianapolis Colts at the altar, they hire Frank Wright, all the coachings, carousel moves are finished. But this is a pretty good one. You had about a quarter of the league, I think exactly a quarter of the league, get fired or or walk away from head coaching jobs. Uh, A lot of drama there. What do you think was the lasting memory of this coaching offseason, Tyler? What do you think will stand out the most of this 2017-2018 offseason?
2: it's gotta be josh mcdaniels i mean that one just i mean well and the other thing is like i i feel like that colt's job was probably the most coveted job out of all of them just because you have andrew luck there so you know a lot of these other guys who took jobs elsewhere probably would have been interested in the colt's job if they didn't think they had mcdaniel locked up so he just kind of screwed them all together
0: <laughs> oh yeah i think about a guy like mike brable or some of the other names that <laughs> were were out there yeah, what, I don't know. It is so hard to get a head coaching job. That's what, I mean, you better be sure that the Patriots are going to give you uh, that head coaching job at some point. I know he said family. I know he said, you know, he is young, he didn't want to move, and he can learn under Belichick, but he's playing a dangerous game. That's all I'll say. There's no guarantees in yeah, the coaching world. Uh,
2: but I don't know, though. There are so many horrible head coaches in the NFL. Like, I feel like someone like him, he's just, Let's say he got fired next year from New England. I think he probably had offers to go somewhere else just because it is just there are so many bad coaches. And yeah. I nowadays like to, you have to be Jackson, an offensive Hugh, genius.
0: Yeah. Hugh Jackson was not one of the coaches fired. <laughs> the 0-16 <Owen> <laughs> coach was not one of the quarter league uh, head coaches yeah. fired. Big losers also would probably be the assistants yeah. who have to get hired by Frank Reich now.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Better the other the type.
2: interesting thing with that one too is that everybody's making out like Robert Kraft was the big person behind that, that he really wanted to stick it to the Colts for the whole deflate gate thing. So I think that's a piece that's not talked about as much as it probably I think it's a bigger piece to this than I think a lot of people are thinking.
0: Yeah, it's true, although I do like what Chris Ballard, I mean, he said the rivalry, Coach James said the rivalry was back on, but I thought he handled it great, you know, given what went down and, and how he got basically left hung out to dry by McDaniels. Frank Reich is a good coach. I think a good offensive mind, I think that could be a good hire. Uh, it's fascinating. I really do think yeah. some of these moves, because you know, like, on average, right, maybe three of these coaches of these eight hires are going to pan out?
2: Yeah. And then, you know, also, you never know, he could have started talking to Andrew Luck or maybe going to watch workouts and maybe he didn't think he was the same. So that may have had an impact on it. You never know. If
0: there's un- if there's anything more debated and discussed and dissected in the offseason than coaches, Tyler, I think it's quarterbacks. So that's what I'll really remember along with McDaniels is the whole Kirk Cousins, now Alex Smith saga. We've never seen, we've talked about this, we've never seen a co- quarterback in their prime go into free agency with the Redskins, make a preemptive strike to acquire Alex Smith, thereby setting up, you would think, Kirk Cousins for free agency. Now, they could tag him and try to trade him, but i got to be honest, I don't see it. I don't see that being a viable option because that could be very ugly and Cousins could just start pouting at that point and basically demand his way to a preferential team
2: yeah i i feel like he's gonna end up just walking but i i mean if you're them i wouldn't really blame him for tagging him and trying to get something for him but i i don't know i don't get that move at all i don't i don't know how you sell your fan base that alex smith is a better option a quarterback than cousins it's just
0: yeah older i mean much older he's like 35 years old now the only the only reason that makes sense i mean for kansas city it's great because now you have mahomes the guy you drafted you're ready to you're ready to put him out there the raves yeah. have been good yeah but for the redskins all this tells me is they knew they were dead to rights on ever having a chance to get him back
2: i feel like there's got to be some more behind the Cousins redskins story that no one knows about yeah. cuz it's just it's it's just a circus every off season with
0: him. I feel like. Why would why would you not just lock him up one of the last two years? I mean, he's a guy who was top ten in passing the last couple of seasons. I, I we could complain about this all day, but we're going to see cousins on the market, and I got to think Denver at this point, right? I mean, they're the front runners. Their players are actively campaigning online.
2: Yeah, I mean, if you're the Broncos, I mean. Cousins is going to get whatever he wants. So you might as well just back the Brink's truck up and just give them anything you can because they're, I mean, they're a team that they're a contender right now. They have a great defense. They have some great offensive weapons, but they just have no quarterback whatsoever. So you go from being a, you know, six and ten, seven and nine team to be a potential
0: Super Bowl contender just with a quarterback. Oh yeah, he could be that could result in like eight net wins. <laughs> you know, that's the kind of move yeah. for that team <laughs> with that defense and those players. I'm all for that move. I think it would be good. There's uh you know, Jacksonville has talked about but they're gonna have to pick up Bortle's option because of that whole medical thing and then I don't think they were ready to completely give up on him anyway, so yeah, I don't know. It's, it's interesting for money, too, because Garoppolo gets that huge deal. Cousins will probably get more than that. It's just going to keep going up and up. And, and, and I know salaries are outrageous, Tyler, but this is one position where I totally get it. Because if you can get a guy like that, you have to lock him up for a lot of money and a lot of years.
2: Yeah. It, I was thinking about this earlier, though. I You know, college football, it's all, it's all about the head coach. NFL, it's generally all about your quarterback. But just recently it's kinda like now it's almost your offensive coordinator or your head coach if they run your offense. Like Nick Foles, I know it's prisoner of the moment with the Super Bowl, but guy was just terrible with the Rams and part of that's on (laughs) Jeff Fisher. But you know, if you give if you Nick Foles goes from being awful quarterback who potentially is out of football and you get him in the right system with the right coach, like Chip Kelly or Peterson, then he's you know Super Bowl caliber quarterback. It's it's pretty amazing how if you get the right quarterback with the right coach, you know, the difference it can make.
0: Yeah, I would also say it doesn't have to be a head coach, just an offensive coordinator. If yeah. it's a defensive guy, they can hire the right guy. Belichick has never been known as an offensive guru, but he gets guys like McDaniels, Charlie Weiss, or whoever's running yeah. his offense. Bill O'Brien.
2: So. I think – and Shanahan, I think, is a perfect example of that oh, with God, Garoppolo. Yeah. He's making him great. Look at how well he did with Cousins when he was in Washington, and then look how well he did with Matt Ryan. Like yeah, He's one of those guys where I think he can take your average quarterback and take him to another level.
0: Yeah, with six games uh, with both Matt Ryan and Garoppolo, Garoppolo's numbers are better, which is scary, also considering he doesn't have the weapons <laughs> Ryan had. So, yeah, that's going to be a match made yeah. in heaven. I think Foles... Lastly, on the quarterback thing, Tyler, I think Foles would be smart. I mean, you know Philly can't really trade him because of the Wentz injury thing, but I I do think that if I were Foles, I'd just play out the last year of the contract. If they're not going to trade him, don't demand anything. I'd be fine waiting there because the market will be there. You're a quarterback that has won a Super Bowl and played at a high level in the face of adversity. There will be somebody for you, whether it's this year or next year. Yeah,
2: I keep thinking I mean, do you think any of that wears off, though, if if, like, let's say Wentz comes back, he's healthy, and folds, doesn't play a snap, you think he still has the same value at the end of next year as he does today?
0: I do, but I also think that Philly will get impatient. They will get mad at Carson Wentz, which is hilarious to say <laughs> if we would have been six months ago. But there's a lot more pressure on Carson Wentz now. And the second he starts to play bad, now he's got to deal with Philly saying, oh, we got this guy that won the Super Bowl sitting on the bench.
2: Yeah, I mean, he's going to have that over his head his whole career if he doesn't win a Super Bowl quickly. That Nick Pohl's got it done. You know, it's your turn now.
0: Yeah, yeah, certainly will. Tyler Tesla on Money Mitch Effect, a couple more NFL topics to discuss before I let you go. Uh, I do want to mention this. This was the end of an official era, although he didn't play much for the team last year. But I know you were devastated, Tyler, by the news of uh, Sebastian Janikowski being let go by the Raiders. Which is funny because he got drafted in two thousand seventeenth overall by the late Al Davis as a kicker. everybody mocked that move, but you gotta admit that was great value for the seventeenth overall pick.
2: oh yeah, he's been around forever, and he was pro Bowl t- caliber player pretty much his whole career. I mean, just two years ago he's still nailing fifty yard plus field goals. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. you know, like he's just Venissare is still around and still. Like very accurate, but he didn't have near the distance that Janikowski had You know, later in his career,
0: no, he didn't. Um, But it's it's interesting. He was never the most consistent guy. He'd miss a few, but one of the strongest legs, an unconventional kicker, and by all accounts, just certifiably crazy. So I was always a fan.
2: Yeah, yeah, great soundbite guy.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Another thing I wanted to bring up was the return maybe return of a guy i know you rooted for a lot Johnny Manziel do you think he has a future in football I mean, we talked about all his issues but i don't know if there's something there if this is a ploy cuz he was a mess in cleveland but we're still not sure if that was his game or everything else
2: yeah i don't i don't know i kid i heard the CFL really wants him but he wants like top dollar to play there so I I don't know if he's gonna go there, but I I feel like it's, there are only a few teams that it would work for for him to go to in the NFL. Like I honestly feel like New England would be a great fit. I don't think Belichick would put up with anything, and you know he would keep him in line and keep him out of trouble. Another one I think would be New Orleans with Sean Payton and Drew Brees. But if it was in any city but New Orleans, I think that one would be a good fit. <laughs> um, yeah. But those are the two that kind of jump out to me. As like, I think he really needs the right culture and the right coach and quarterback in front of him if he's going to have a chance.
0: I think he needs at least a year, though, in Canada or developmental league to get the reps that he's missed by being out of football. But, yeah, eventually I think he needs to be in the right system and, and learn.
2: Yeah. Do you think, you think he's on an NFL roster this year?
0: No. No, I don't think he's on a roster this year. But I think he needs to be – in the cfl playing development football he might be a candidate for a future contract at the end of next season but i can't see it you know especially because a lot of teams just don't carry many quarterbacks
2: i mean the match main happen to me is if the xfl was starting back up oh, next yeah. year i mean you know he would be prime time for that
0: yeah oh yeah i think he'd be perfect and i do hope he gets help i mean i know he's got some issues and you know, By all accounts, he's, that's the thing with Manziel is he's never, people in the Cleveland media that I know have said he's never come off as a bad guy, just out of control more than anything. But uh, <laughs> I hope it yeah. works out. Um, real quick here, there are a few players, Tyler, that at this time of year we're always wondering who might get cut uh, before bonuses are due and money is due, and a lot of big-name players every year do get cut. But some players I've heard that are uh, at the top of the list this year are guys like Des Bryant and Jordy Nelson, Tyler? Do you see them or any other big name players getting cut, maybe unexpectedly, before uh, teams have to pay him some money?
2: I think that will be out of Dallas this year. I don't. I think that relationship was going sour by the end of the year. He just they just really weren't using him, and maybe he's lost a step. But he just really wasn't too effective with Dak this year. I think he's seeing the writing on the wall. They're going to more of you know hand it off to Elliott, and that's going to be the offense for a while. So I think he's gone. I don't I don't know how Green Bay gets rid of Nelson, but he just gave Devontae Adams this huge contract at the end yeah. of the year. So you got,
0: you got to think it's him or Cobb probably are on the way out. You know, like yeah, I don't I know mean, how you can keep both. I,
2: I if it was me, I'd be taking Jordy Nelson over Cobb all day, but. I guess it's going to depend on the dollars.
0: Is there? He's, he's going to be thirty-four. I know he's getting up there, but I can't think of one receiver whose play has dramatically shifted one way or another based on if Aaron Rodgers is out there. You know, based on if his quarterbacks yeah. there.
2: Yeah, I mean, he he's been beat up the past few years too. He he hasn't been able to stay healthy, so I think that may be part of their decision.
0: Yeah, I agree with you on Dez. He is not an elite receiver. He still thinks he is. That's definitely a problem that we've seen. Um, He he just hasn't had that magic anymore. Um, And I think he's going to, I think, unfortunately, you might see it in the locker room. If he's not happy not getting the ball, not getting thrown to, he's a guy that that I look at to get cut.
2: I think both of those guys, it'll be interesting. Uh, You can't blame it totally on the quarterback because they're getting older, but that's losing Romo, and let's say Jordy leaves and goes somewhere else, and goes to a team that just is going to pay him a ton of money, but doesn't have an elite quarterback. I think their numbers just take a huge dip.
0: Oh yeah, oh yeah, for sure. Uh, Robert Quinn's another one I've heard. He, the Rams are in a tight cap space, and he hasn't had his best year. And I should point out uh, the one guy that could also get cut as well. That guy in the Giants, Eli Apple, because he's just been a disaster on and off the field. <laughs> Him and yeah, his I mom's getting in there, and it's just it's not good.
2: Yeah. What um, uh? What do you think happens with Eli?
0: Eli Manning. Well, I think yeah. they got to keep him. I think they might draft the quarterback, and then they might plan their their part too. But I think they're going to keep him, and, I, and I'm interested to see how he does with Shermer. I'm not. I've never been the biggest fan of another former ex Browns coach, but. I, yeah, they screwed him so much last year. I think you got to give him a chance to, to earn it back, especially yeah. if you can just get him a running game. Like if I, I would, as a Browns fan, a perfect world, you take a quarterback one and then Barkley falls to you, Saquon Barkley at four. But if I'm the Giants and the top quarterback is taken at one, don't you have to take a hard, long look at Barkley because you've never had a running game, or at least not in the last decade?
2: Yeah, I – I guess it's gonna kind of just depend on what their gut is on Eli. I mean, do you think you got a couple of years left at them, or are you ready to cut ties with them? You know, I think that's gonna play a big role in it.
0: Yeah, it's gonna be fascinating. I think he might have some football left, especially common theme, given that all the quarterbacks kind of suck in the NFL. So <laughs> there is always gonna <laughs> yeah. be an option. Uh, last thing, Tower Tesla Money Mitch Effect. I want to get your quick thoughts on uh, a thing away from the field. Did you see the story about the? Draft is going to be on Fox this year.
2: Actually, I didn't see that. But <laughs> yeah, the
0: NFL draft is going to Fox. ESPN is not going to have. I know for a fact the early rounds. They might have some late round coverage, but there's that. There's a lot of you know a lot of rumors out there that they might give Fox uh, that playoff game too. They might take away that playoff game or air it somewhere else. Yeah, I, I
2: saw that one.
0: I think there's a real danger. I mean, we know ESPN's in some tough times right now for for a variety of reasons, but the NFL might be trying to distance themselves, and there's a lot of reasons. There's a lot of people can speculate it, but I, I think this is very fascinating, and it's a big deal that's not getting a lot of credibility and a lot of talking about, because how and who has rights and how media is consumed is going to be a huge story for the next 10 to 20 years.
2: Yeah, and maybe it's just because Chris Berman retired, too.
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> I, I, ESPN, that, yeah, they, they, because their whole, their whole, I shouldn't say whole, but their massive... Uh, a majority of what they do is centered around the NFL. If they don't have live rights, I mean, that's a big deal. Just Monday night, they would have that.
2: Yeah, I think that's going to be the fascinating thing to watch in the next five or ten years. is Who's going to be one of these big companies like a Netflix, a Facebook, Google, you know, Apple, whoever it is. Somebody's going to buy in some big, you know, big leagues' rights, and it's, I think it's going to just change dynamic on everything.
0: I want to uh, give the ESPN app a chance, but I do think it's a little weird, Tyler, that they're only you know they're they're giving you their thirty for thirties in their libraries, but they're giving you games that aren't necessarily prime time games. You know, like it's it's just a little odd. Like, yeah. why would you want to watch the tenth best you know Big Ten game that week or Big Ten football game or just you know a, yeah. a weird basketball game? I don't know. I mean, I gotta we got to give it some time. It's the right decision to go into that digital streaming app route, but I don't know if it's going to be the, the go to.
2: Speaking of the draft, I did see something. Is it true they're doing, like, a free agent training camp this year?
0: I think they are. I think that is the plan.
2: I, I know they're talking about it, but that's that, that'll be interesting to see.
0: Yeah, I man, there there's a lot to see. I, I think it, it's good to give an audition, but, I mean, there are personal workouts as well. So, if a, if a team's really interested in you, they could just fly you into your city to work out and, you know, figure that yeah. whole aspect out. But I just hope at the actual draft they let the the manatees and all the animals pick picks because that was really fun, and incredible. to football. <laughs> so yeah. we'll see. But all right, Tyler Tesla, this was uh, a blast as always. Thanks for um, coming on the show. Appreciate you coming on, and we'll have to be uh, catching up in the near future about football, hockey, and uh, curling apparently too.
2: Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Mitch.
0: Huge thanks to both Tyler Tesson and Todd Speedburner Robinson for appearing on today's show. Thanks again to Brian Nelson for supplying the logo and Tim Adams for supplying the beat. There will be at least one show, hopefully two, next week. We'll see what the schedule lines up for myself and others. But thanks for listening to today's episode of the Money Mitch Effect. You can find every episode on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play by just searching Money Mitch Effect. Hope you guys are getting ready for some more discussions and, and some more sports stuff in the world it's great college basketball march madness is coming up in a month we're pretty much we're under a month away from the tournament starting so i'm pretty excited about that and I hope everybody out there enjoys the olympics there's been some great story and stories there sean white wins again two teenage snowboarders you have got high drama in the usa canada women's hockey side the men's team uh, had a setback against slovenia hopefully they can bounce back but a lot of good dramas depending on what your sport is be curling for all we know Uh, but hopefully you guys are enjoying that as well i'm mitch michaels this was the money mitch effect until next time keep enjoying sports